0: Well hi to everyone at Grace Community Church. Uh, My name is Glenn. I'm the Director of Tear Fund here in Northern Ireland and uh, it is just fantastic to be with you today. I would love to be with you in person but not possible at the minute but really was excited when Neil asked me a few weeks ago if I would just come and speak with you for a short while uh, in one of your Sunday gatherings um, because I've known Neil now for a number of years and I really admire his passion for Jesus, his passion for the local church and his passion uh, for the poor and the marginalized around the world and uh, I know that trickles through in the loads of things that you do as a church and so I'm just privileged to be here and to be able to speak into that um, a little bit uh, today. Um, if you don't know about Tear Fund, I'm going to talk a little bit about Tear Fund but if you don't know about Tear Fund we are um, an international aid and development agency that works in 50 countries around the world and what we do is we help churches uh, to um, to bring about change and transformation in their communities and we work only in places of extreme poverty some of the world's most forgotten about people and uh, we help to resource the church there and Christians there to uh, to bring about holistic life transformation, meeting their needs and helping them uh, to discover what God has gifted them with and how they can meet the needs of their own communities through what God has already given them. And We see amazing things happen around the world in terms of lives transformed, in terms of people being able to lift themselves up out of poverty, but also we see churches growing, people get baptised and God on the move as people respond in generosity uh, to meet needs uh, of people who really have very, very little resource. So I want to encourage you today from the scriptures. I want to talk about Tear Fund as well. I want to give you a little bit of an opportunity to join with us. But first and foremost, you know we're here in the context of worship and to point our hearts to Jesus. And so um, we're going to look at the scriptures together for a little bit. So if you have a Bible, if you turn to Luke chapter 4, we're going to read some verses from from there. You're probably familiar with these verses, uh, many of you, but uh, we're going to look at them again and uh, and see really what's going on in these verses and how we can apply them to our lives today. So let's look at Luke chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 14 down to verse 21. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. On ruling it he found the place where it is written The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So one of the great things about my role here in Tearfund is that I get to go around and listen to various church leaders and hear about what's on their heart and the things they're struggling with and the kind of things they're praying for and what they're thinking at this time and you know, we're obviously exiting this uh, pandemic hopefully exiting this pandemic which has been really really difficult for everyone and really really difficult for churches to work out how to respond uh, over this last year or so and as I've been talking to some church leaders and just trying to pick up kind of what's going on a little bit beneath the surface, I've, I've sensed a little bit of nervousness uh, around uh, returning back to church in person. Um, there's a little bit of a sense from some of them that they're thinking, well, you know, we've done this pandemic, we've been putting things on, on YouTube, we've been using Zoom, but do I really have a church anymore? Do we really have a church? Are people going to show up again it's this sense that uh, as we've been in lockdown yeah you know if you're a parent you've not had to drive the kids to here there and everywhere for all the different clubs and sports and activities and there's part of that's been kind of nice we haven't had to go to all the different uh, social occasions that we might have previously felt you know obliged to go not that we would ever admit it but you know sometimes you think well I'll just kind of have to go out of a bit of duty or obligation go and do this thing or see this person or or say yes to this commitment but because we've been in lockdown we've been able to say well no actually I can't I can't do that and um you know there's pros to that and there's cons to that but uh, as we exit lockdown, there's a lot of people saying, "Well I'm just going to revalue my commitments. You know I'm able to work from home now so life can be a bit easier. I don't have all these pressures on me with my time and my diary. And even church commitments have probably reduced a good bit over the last year. And so as we come back to meet together again and to get to kind of get things moving again in our society and in our churches, there's a little bit of nervousness around, do we sell the church? Are people going to come back?" Now, of course, we know if you're watching this, uh, you're sitting there in, in the church gathering or you're watching this at home or whatever way you're connecting with this, like you probably know this already, but church isn't just another kind of thing on our kind of list of just different clubs and societies that we belong to. It's not like the golf club or the stamp collecting society or whatever it is that you do in Rich Hill for fun. It's not just like that church is part of our identity as followers of christ and it's a people to belong to first and foremost it's a family where we get love and care and encouragement and and discipleship and all that stuff it's not just another club that we sign up for we know that but there can be a bit of nervousness around some of these church leaders i'm talking to saying well you know people maybe have done all right without us for the last year what an honor maybe asking what's the church even for And I think if we lose sight of the answer to that question, what is the church for? Then we could be in trouble. But that's kind of the question I want to think about today a little bit. What is the church for? And I want to say to you that the church is for times like this. This is the time for the church to really be the church and to grow into our calling. It's time for the church globally now to come into our own. See, the last 15 months, uh, we've been learning all the mechanisms of the technological things that we need to do to make church happen when we're in lockdown. But the other thing that we've been doing, and I'm sure you've been doing this as well, is is helping the, to respond to the needs in our communities that have arisen because of COVID. And so uh, churches have been starting all different kinds of ministries and whether well, that's just, you know, phoning people who are vulnerable, whether that's setting up food banks, uh, whether that's putting you know a prayer and care hotline in that some churches have done all kinds of things over the last year there's been lots of innovation as, as churches have responded to the needs in their communities but as we're starting to come through this now it's it's maybe time for a little bit of a shift of gear to move from simple response to what's happening in the pandemic to helping our communities recover together to move from that kind of responsive thing that you know here's a need we've got to meet it through to tr- starting to reimagine what we'll, What does it look like for us to recover? What's it look like for us as a a church to recover? But what's it look like for us to help our communities recover as well? You know, as we see the end of furlough and with Brexit coming in and all the different things that are happening, our society's changing. What does it look like for the church to help our communities recover? How can we recover together? And we're kind of moving in from that mode of response mode through to recover mode. And that is... Something that the church has a massive part to play in. So as we come to look at our passage today, um, we'll see. If you read the start of chapter four, that Jesus has been tested in the wilderness, and he's spent this time out in the desert on his own with God and tempted in various ways, and he's he's managed to resist. And he's come out of this time of testing in the wilderness, and he comes and breaks through into the scene here in Nazareth in Luke chapter four with new spiritual power and cla- and fresh clarity about his mission. So he's been in the wilderness, he's been tested, he's been lonely, he's, uh, he's kind of had his troubles and his trials, and he's emerged from that with new spiritual power and clarity about his mission. Now I want you to think about that for a second, because as I was kind of reading over this and thinking over this, I was sort of praying this for you guys as a church, as we've come through a time of testing and wilderness and trial, we come into a season of new spiritual power. You see it in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit. So we come out of testing into this period of new spiritual power and fresh clarity about our mission. And that's my prayer for you. And uh, I, I want to just kind of almost speak that over you today in this video that you may, that may you in this season as a church have new spiritual power and a fresh clarity about your mission here in Rich Hill and further afield. So Jesus comes out of that time of testing and he goes to his home synagogue in Nazareth where he stands up as is the custom to read from. The book of Isaiah and he reads these verses I'm just going I know I read them earlier but I want to read them again the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor um, and many commentators and theologians have kind of have said that what Jesus is doing in this passage is he's essentially laying out his stall and he's setting out his manifesto to say here's what I'm here for this is what I have come for to proclaim good news to those who need good news to set the captives free and to proclaim the year of God's favor what is the reason for God's anointing being on Jesus what was the reason for it the reason for it He says here, God has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the blind sight, set the oppressed free, all that kind of stuff. That's the reason that the Spirit of God is upon Jesus. Now, I want to say that our temptation when we come to these verses is to spiritualize them uh, and uh, to say, well, Look, what Jesus is saying here is he's really talking about, you know, the good news of his death and resurrection and forgiveness of sin, and the good news that we'll go to be with him forever and ever. Uh, We read these and we can spiritualize them, and we say, well, when when it says poor, it means the spiritually poor. When it says uh, the oppressed, it means just you know people who are oppressed by sin. When it um, says about blindness. It's, it's just spiritual blindness that Jesus is talking about here. And he's saying I've come to release people from all these things spiritually. Now it's not wrong to to read it in that way. There, there's an ultimate fulfillment in that way. But what I would say to us as we read this. Because it's, it's our temptation. It's our little blind spot to spiritualize these verses. Uh, I want you to think about the people who Jesus was speaking to at the actual time in which he was speaking in this synagogue what what were they hearing what were they thinking whenever they heard Jesus read these words well I want you to imagine uh, if you were in this community you were a Jewish person you loved the Lord you wanted to serve him you went to the synagogue you heard the scriptures being read and that was great but in the wider society, you live in an area that is under Roman occupation. The biggest empire in the world is sitting there with its knee right on your neck. And life is not free. God had promised many years ago that he was going to come and send a deliverer to set the people free. But here we are living in this area completely under the oppre- uh, under the oppression of the biggest army that the world has ever known, the biggest, most powerful empire that the world has ever known. These were oppressed people. They were not free. They were free to worship at an extent, but they were not free. Um, Some estimations think that the people here at the time who Jesus would have been speaking to would have been taxed something like 90%. Maybe the, the Roman tax wasn't quite 90%, but by the time the tax collectors took their cut, it maybe was right up. 90% 90% now tax is bad enough here or maybe tax 20% or whatever it is and that's I mean it pays for things that are useful but we don't really like it but imagine being taxed 90% and you can see why then people hated tax collectors because they were fellow uh, fellow Jewish brothers uh, who uh, were working with this occupying force to basically take all our money and send us further into oppression So I wonder these people, they weren't hearing when Jesus was saying these words, they weren't necessarily hearing spiritual blindness, forgiveness from sin, all that sort of stuff on an individual level. They're hearing, we're oppressed by the Romans. We need somebody to come and save us. Jesus, is this you? They were longing, longing for God to come. Uh, In a society where if you were blind, uh, you were shunned, you were set outside the system. Were they really just thinking about spiritual blindness when they heard this? No, they were probably thinking, well, there's the blind guy who's been blind from birth, who sits down the end of the road there and he's been shunned his whole life. They lived in an unjust legal system. They lived at a time where if you were disabled, you were sent outside to be in the margins and to be completely excluded from society. And probably to some extent you were asking, has God forgotten about us? Has God forgotten about us? But here Jesus comes in and says, this is what I am about. I am about proclaiming good news to you guys who are poor, not just spiritually poor, but to you guys who are sitting at the edge of the street with nothing and to you guys who are oppressed by this huge empire. Has God forgotten about us? Well, Jesus comes and says, no, the spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That God's disposition towards you. Is not that he has forgotten about you. Or turned his back on you. But that he loves you. That he cares for you. And he has sent me to bring you freedom. And relief. This is fulfilled in me. Verse 21. So I think as we come to read these verses. We see that this is Jesus' manifesto. This is what he said He is here to do. And his original hearers. Would not have just heard these things. In spiritual terms. But in real concrete ones, we are the poor, we are the oppressed, we are the ones who know what it means to see a blind or disabled person sitting at the side of the road depending on everybody else uh, for their livelihood for many, many years. Jesus, we need you to come and help us. That was probably kind of some of the excitement that happened. Now you see actually they, they, they know what Jesus is saying is so significant because uh, they try to kill him after this um because it is big what he's saying now if we want to look at these verses like obviously they they um they, they are fulfilled in the cross forgiveness of sin spiritual eyes being opened um our spiritual poverty being met by jesus's death and resurrection so of course that is true it's i'm not saying that they're they're not to be interpreted that way but It's not just Jesus' death and resurrection that are important to us, but his life as well. And if you want to look at the rest of Jesus' life, and indeed just the verses after this passage, you begin to see that he actually starts doing what he says he's going to do here. So he goes and he immediately drives out an impure spirit from someone. He immediately goes and sets the oppressed free. He doesn't just set them free, you know, in years to come when they die and go to heaven. He sets them free here and now. And then we see that he heals people from their uh, their illnesses whether that's leprosy or blindness or being uh, unable to walk he heals them from those things not just so that you know they can go to heaven when they die although that's what the cross accomplishes for us but that so here and now in the life in which they live that they're no longer on the margins they're no longer excluded they're no longer uh, the extreme poor The cross ultimately deals with all of these. But in Jesus' life we see he begins to fulfill this. He proclaims freedom for the captives. He proclaims uh, forgiveness for those who need it. And he meets the poor and the marginalized where they are. And tries to make their life better. So that they can appreciate and understand something of the kingdom of God. In the here and now. This is what God's favor looks like. It's not just about our spiritual um, relationship with God and being right with him and having our sins forgiven and being filled with the spirit to go to be with him it's not just about that it's also about knowing his presence and his favor here and now and if this is Jesus' manifesto if this is what he came for then as the church we have to pick this up after him that it that we are Jesus's people And if this is his manifesto, and the reason for which he came, this too is the reason for which the church exists at the minute. The spirit of God is upon the church of Jesus Christ to proclaim good news to the poor, to uh, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to see the recovery of sight for the blind, To see the oppressed set free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That's why the Spirit of God is upon you as a church. You as individuals, yes, but that's why it's on you as a church. And it's what the church is for in this moment. As we kind of move from this response uh, to COVID and the pandemic through the recovery. What is the church for? It's to see all these things happen in the here and now. To remove oppression and injustice in the here and now, that God's kingdom is, is not just for then, but it's for now as well, it's here and it's there, it's now and it's not yet, it's present and it's future, that's what the kingdom of God is for, now I know you know that as a church, being involved with drop-in, being involved with uh, Home for Good, that you know this, that the spirit is on you for now and not just for kind of the saving of disembodied souls but to see the kingdom of God come now in real and tangible ways in your communities you know if we're Jesus's hands and feet this is our mission uh, and I want to just encourage you and maybe challenge you but as well that as a church as an individual how are you going to live this mission out that Jesus has given us now at Tierra Fund we are you know this is why we're so passionate about resourcing the church to tackle global poverty, because we believe that this is part and parcel of the gospel message. That we want to we want to resource people to tell people about Jesus and to see them saved and baptised and the church grow and all that. We want to see that, but we believe it's it's just as important that um, that we see uh, issues of justice and poverty addressed by the church. And We believe that that's one of the church's primary. Um, uh, things that the church has to do here on the earth. It's been described as kind of two wings in a plane, you know, the, the, the one wing and we, we evangelize, we tell people about Jesus, we want to see sins forgiven, we want to see people reconciled to him and the other wing of the plane is that we want to address issues of injustice right now because that's a sign of the kingdom of God and that's a fulfillment of Luke chapter four and I'll tell you the church around the world has been doing amazing things over COVID we've we know some stories of churches here we know probably what you guys have been getting up to in your community but we also have stories of you know church volunteers in colombia getting up at 5 a.m. to pack uh, food bags and then deliver them around their communities uh, we know of christians in the largest refugee camp in the world there's um, uh, um o- over a million people live in the cox's bazaar refugee camp in bangladesh and one of the projects we've been involved in there is is helping Christians there install water pumps and get soap to people who need it and to educate people about social distancing, which, as you can imagine, in a refugee camp like that is nearly impossible. But we've been living out our faith in these practical ways. We've been doing things like um, equipping church leaders in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where we saw the... The volcano and the massive displacement there just over the last couple of weeks but we've been there working away trying to train church leaders to <clears throat> to teach their people about social distancing to teach them about COVID and the dangers of it and uh, and the potential catastrophic implications that it could have in their community so you have this great thing where on one hand they're being able to tell people about Jesus but on the other hand they're teaching them how to wash their hands and stay safe. And even now in the response to uh, that volcano with uh, a million people having to flee their home, uh, because of that, Tear Fund is right there. And Tear Fund isn't the be all and end all, but we resource the church. And the church is God's plan to see uh, these needs met around the world. Uh, And it's a real privilege to be involved. And I could tell you loads of stories about how churches are getting involved uh, in the most what we would probably view as the most dire of circumstances, but they're bringing hope through practical, um, in practical ways. and through fulfilling Luke chapter four. Um, so I want to, I want to just encourage you today as a church and, um, and say to you, you know, the spirit of the Lord is on you and it's on you in this look chapter four kind of way. And as you recover, um, yourselves uh how how in what way is the spirit coming on you in power now after this wilderness time In what way is the spirit coming on you in power now and in what way is he giving you fresh clarity about your mission as a church and i'd love you and just encourage you to just to kind of mull that over together and to think it over um but i would love you as well to get involved with tear fund not because tear funds anything in itself, but because this is the task the local church has been charged with and we can help resource that. And um, you can find out more information and stories on our website, but I would encourage you today, if uh, if you're in the position to be able to give, um, that you go to tearfund.org slash donate. And um, uh, if you can give, a one-off gift or begin to give monthly and partner with us and we'll go on that journey together to see uh, lives and communities transformed around the world uh, through what God is doing through the church um, uh, with Tear Fund's resource. So tearfund.org forward slash donate and money that you give uh, will uh, go to these kind of projects uh, that I've mentioned and I'll put up on the screen there um, our uh, response to COVID so far, and you can see some of the statistics um, about uh, the last year, uh, what the church has been doing, uh, with the help of Tier Fund So it's wonderful to have been with you today, and I just do want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing to search out God's plans and purposes for you as a church. And I would love you too to connect with Tier Fund So if you go onto the website there, if you can give, you can pray for us. Uh, that would be fantastic. So hopefully, I'll be able to come and see you again in person someday but until then may you know God's grace and his peace upon you. Amen.